Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 38 of the Lift Free and Diet Hard podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Coates, and I brought back my friend James Krieger. I haven't talked to James since I rebooted the, the solo podcast. He's been a guest before a few times. And James wears a lot of hats in the industry. So if you're all, if you're not already familiar with him, he's a respected researcher, a straight up sought out collaborator on research projects by a lot of other prominent researchers in our industry. And he's also an author, a presenter, and a coach, but there's also some other cool stuff he's been getting into the last little bit. You've got, uh, you know, your successful weightology review, a lot of subscribers to that. You also now partner with uh, our friend Chad Landers on FitPro Financial. We've got a new project on Instagram uh, and beyond, Stock Wonk, which, you know, you've grown really in this financial services space as an educator as well. And I guess one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on and chat was, you know, we know our industry is notorious for not necessarily great financial planning. But before I could come yeah. up around to that, I just want to say, how have you been the last few months? What's been going on? Oh, wow. It's, uh, um, it's been crazy trying. I mean, I'm basically running multiple businesses now, you know, and uh, uh, I mean, we just launched FitPro Financial like a few months ago and, and um And, you know, and I'm also, you know, I got my stock trading, which I pretty much do full time now. And then I'm still running weightology at the same time. So, um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been interesting, to say the least, uh, you know, and then with my, you know, kids home all the time, 24 seven, because, you know, homeschooling because of coronavirus and everything. So, like, uh, yeah, it's been definitely the past year has been an interesting year. (laughs) I want to circle back around to the shift more towards, you know, the, the balance between, you know, your fitness career and the, and the financial career. But let's start, start with stock wonk. So we, we know that most fitness professionals and enthusiasts have definitely seen a rise in the presence of what I like to call the crypto bros. And you know, like we see these multi-level marketing, like Forex traders, recruiting, this sort of stuff. There's a bunch of that stuff I've seen locally. We also, we've seen a mainstream an increase in mainstream interest in investments. I think GameStop is a good example of that. Yeah. I'm going to sort of throw it out to you to kind of give your thoughts on all this stuff, but I wanted to see what you, you had to say about, well, what's driving the interest in crypto and investments and certainly what should fitness professionals know and be wary of as you, we're getting a lot of imagery of people pushing big returns, big gains, things like Bitcoin, like I said, GameStop. Yeah. So, um, I would say, I want to say that the pandemic, um, is one of the, I think there's been a couple, um, big drivers in kind of mainstream interest in stocks and crypto or whatever, you know? Um, and I think I want to say it's number one, the explosion of trading apps like Robinhood, things like that, um, you know, have really attracted to made it, you know, easy for people. I think people attracted to the idea of, you know, zero commissions, you know, all that stuff. Um, Robinhood in a way, and I actually think this is probably a bad thing, but Robinhood has kind of gamified investing in a way, like, like made it almost a game for people, which I think has attracted a lot of people. Um, and so you've got this explosion in retail interest. Um, and then um, on top of that, I think you have the pandemic. So you just have a lot of people at home not doing anything. 
and they hear about stocks going up and stuff. And so everyone starts trying their hand at stocks and things because, you know, either people are out of jobs or are working from home and they're bored or whatever. So um, I think it's all kind of come together. And, and so I think, you know, definitely, particularly in January, you saw just a massive increase in retail interest in various into stocks and then you know past month or two it was crypto and and um you know and then what happens is it kind of becomes a snowball because you get people on social media start talking about it which attracts other people into it and you know it, it kind of it that way. so so i want to say those are been kind of the main driving forces behind the interest in all of it um you know uh just kind of i guess to answer your question there so We've had Elon Musk doing a lot of tweeting about various different crypto coins, about how he, the Tesla went up a huge position in Bitcoin. And now more recently, he's turned around and said it's not energy efficient. So crypto has been like a wild ride recently. You get this meme joke Dogecoin that suddenly has made a lot of people a yeah. lot of money. So that's sort of a weird thing. There's, there's certainly an allure of easy, you know, easy money, which, of course, that's a classic trap. It's the same thing as the allure yeah. of easy weight loss or easy muscle gain. Yep. And people yeah. fundamentally are wired to be drawn to this stuff. I think that's a big thing. Here in Canada, yeah. um, I have an app, a Wealth Simple. So it's going to be the same sort of concept as Robin Hood, where it's like, you know, no commission trading. So even I have finally started doing some trading, grabbing you know, dollar cost average strategies. You know, in fact, you know, I'll let you do that. And maybe some of the, the smarter ways to navigate the hype of what's going on right now, traps to avoid and, and long-term investment strategies for people. Yeah. yeah. So I, I would say the biggest trap to avoid is um, if everybody's talking about it, you're pre pretty much already late to the party. I mean, you know, um, that's been the deal with crypto. I mean, in fact, that's usually a red flag. If you're hearing everyone talking about something, that's a red flag to avoid it because typically what that means is that, um, you're already at the height of the mania um, and usually mania is, you know, and you're already kind of at the height of the bubble and usually mania is followed by a crash. And you're already seeing that with crypto. I mean, Bitcoin has collapsed almost 50% in the past week, you know? Um, uh, and so um, that should always be a red flag when everyone is talking about something. And you saw the same thing with the housing market in 2007, literally everyone was, taking out second mortgages and buying second houses and everything. And people were flipping, like everyone was flipping houses. That was the big thing to do. And, and again, that's a red flag because that means, that means the party's about to be over, <laughs> you know? Um, and uh, so literally if something is really hot, that's usually the sign you want to actually avoid it. Um, Cause that, again, that means you're probably late unless you're going to scalp it and trade it really quick. Um, but if you're thinking about long-term investing, you're already late to the party. If, you know, if something that everyone's talking about. Um, uh, the thing is, is that you kind of mentioned earlier, people are allured to quick things. It's like, and I think Warren Buffett said this, no one wants to get rich slowly. Um, but really, I mean, that's, that's what, you, you know, if you, if you really want to build wealth, it takes a lot of time. It's not, you know, it's not going to, you know, I mean, yeah, you hear stories about, yeah, someone who was in GameStop and then all of a sudden it rocketed in price, you know, um, but here's, you know, again, you want to be careful with that because 
there's a selection bias going on there. Um, what's what happened? What you're happen, What's happening is you're only hearing about the winners, and you're literally not hearing about the losers. Um, you know, because no one talks about their losers or whatever. And in fact, with some things like crypto, uh, you know, people need to understand crypto is a zero sum game. And in fact, some might consider it a negative sum game. And what I mean by zero sum game is for every winner, there's a loser, right? You, you can't, um, crypto is the type of thing where the money outflow can't be um, more than the, mo the money inflow. And so it's literally like a single in, single out. Um, and what that means is anyone who wins is basically taking money from any anyone who loses, you know? Um, and some might consider it a negative sum game because of the, energy costs and the, you know, all the fees that go to mining and everything. So in fact, what I mean by a negative sum game is most people end up as losers, but again, you only hear about the winners though. Right. And that's what attracts everybody, but you never hear about the losers. And so you have to be careful with that. And the same thing was true with GameStop. You hear about these few people who were millionaires on GameStop, but you don't hear about all the people that lost a bunch, you know, cause they bought it in 300, $400 per share and, you know, and then it collapsed, you know, and you never hear about those people. So um, there's a lot of people who <clears throat> they think they're going to be smarter than the hedge funds. Cause that was the whole yeah. GameStop. I, I'm not going to get too heavy into that. And with the, a lot of people pushing crypto, if someone is really pushing people to buy and hold stuff, chances are, it means that they're holding positions. They're not yep. in helping everybody else. They want to push more money into the market so they can pull their money out before you do. That's exactly yep. what's yep. going on. Yeah, you know, what's funny, funny I, uh, one guy I follow on Twitter, Stephen Deal, he, he, um, he, this is what he said about crypto. He said, crypto is essentially a multi-level marketing scheme for tech bros. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's like the perfect description because, I mean, um, you know, there's literally no underlying asset there. Like, you know, and, and here's the other deal. People, if you think crypto is going to be the future of currency, you, you got to you got to take a second look at that, because literally what makes a good currency does not make a good investment or even trade. Crypto is too volatile to actually be a currency because you can't use something as a currency that can literally drop 50 percent within a few days, you know within days, you know, you, you can't, that makes it unusable as a currency. So, you know, that's the thing. It's like the only people literally trying to push crypto are you people that already position in it. And because it's just a greater fool game and anyone who wants to understand greater fool games, it just means you're literally looking for a fool who is willing to pay a higher price than you are. I mean, that's, that's what, it, but the problem with greater fool games is you eventually run out of fools, right? And, and I think people right now, especially people who bought Bitcoin in the 40, 50, $60,000 range are suddenly realizing, oh, we, we ran out of fools and now it's collapsing. And, you know, it's like, um, uh, so you have to be wary of that. You know, it's like, um, it, again, if something, if everybody's talking about it, it's usually a red flag. If people have kind of a, like, almost like, a, I would say a religious like cult surrounding it. Again, just like with diets, right? You've got like <laughs> keto <that>. zealots. <laughs> yeah, keto zealots. You've got, you know, carnivore diet. You know, like, And people like get, they, they, their whole identity gets wrapped up in these diets, right? Like, like and the, you, they literally lose all objectivity. And literally you've seen the same thing 
with crypto, I mean, people on Twitter with their laser eyes and, and shit like that, like, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's total religion cult like following that that's a cult. That's not, that's not an investment. Right. I mean, that's, that's people believing and it's, um, uh, it, it's just not a good thing. And you see the same thing with stocks. Like I, I would say Tesla is a perfect example of a cult stock where people literally worship Elon Musk and, you know, and cult stocks can go a long ways. Tesla went a long ways, but I think finally Tesla's showing its cracks. You know, uh, again, you can only, you can only keep that story going for so long. So um, again, what makes good in, investments over the long term, and I'm talking 10, 15, 20 years, are typically your boring stuff. You know, <laughs> typically the stuff that nobody's really talking about or, you know, you know, um, for example, you know, not, you don't, you don't see people, you know, you don't, you don't see people getting all, well, here's another red flag. If you offer any critique of a particular investment and people, if someone gets real, people start getting really defensive, then that's also a red flag. Cause that means they've personalized that investment. Right. And that's another, I think, thing that people need to be wary of with the markets. Don't, personalize your investments, right? Just like your diet. Don't personalize your diet. Yeah. So there's so many parallels with the obsession with a lot of these diets. Um, Yeah. I think of kind of crypto as the latest pivot, trendy pivot. Um, I haven't seen as much of it, but notice when a lot of fitness, fitness people, you know, the, maybe the bodybuilder types or influencer types were really big on cannabis and CBD oil, right? And they had their discount quotes, oh, yeah. CBD stuff, right? And now it, it looks like it's pivoting a lot more hype and attention around crypto. But I think one, I, I almost want to say, because first of all, I think you're the exception and I hope people kind of, you know, realize this, but to me, it's sort of a red flag when you have someone who's a career fitness professional, or at least their, their media is fitness professional. Now they're not writing books and, and doing the shit you're doing, you know, they're doing the Instagram influencer thing and selling mass market programs. And all of a sudden they've completely pivoted over into financial services. So it makes me sort of question, you know, how much, how successful were they or how embedded was their career in fitness in the first place? Right. So I'm going to come back around to that one again, because like I said, you know, you're very much exception. I know you personally, and you know, and your integrity, we've sat down and, and eaten together and all that sort of stuff. Well, yeah, and also I'll also mention that I mean, what people don't understand is I actually have over twelve years of of experience in the markets. Like, like, um, and I, my whole trading journey has been a big in and of It's not like it's not like I just got into trading a year or two ago. I have twelve years of experience and and you know under my belt. So you know, um, and I literally have my own company that I trade through. Like I'm literally, I'm considered a professional trader. So I'm not, I'm not just some fitness guy who happened to just dabble in stocks and suddenly had success over the past year. It's not that way, you know? So. Exactly. Uh, and we've talked about this on previous episodes too, about your interest in this. I've just figured we would plunge into it a little bit more. So now we've, we've actually talked a little bit in the past about this, but you know, the, the fitness professional financial planning and, you know, a lot of fitness professionals come off as kind of financially illiterate almost. Now I actually have a bachelor of commerce degree and I did post-secondary education in, you know, investments and finance and all this sort of stuff. So I've got a little bit more time under my belt there. Not that I necessarily applied it a shit ton, but I've at least been saving in a registered retirement (laughs) plan. I now have a a tax-free savings account that I'm, you know, like 
taking a certain amount of money every month and dollar cost averaging it into my account. And those are smart strategies. So yeah. what should fitness professionals be looking at to set themselves up for the long term? So um, I, I think it's a, it's a, a number of things. I mean, number one, it's like um, you need to have, and, and this is not related to investing. This is more, you need to have some type of emergency account, emergency funds. Like, like most people have very little savings, if any at all. And you need to, if you don't have any type of emergency fund, you need to start setting some money aside. Um, again, exactly for emergencies, you know, something that that's essentially in something risk-free, a savings account or whatever, um, you need to have that cash set aside, especially I'd say for fitness professionals whose income can fluctuate over time, you know, seasonally and, and all that stuff. You, you got to have some just cash set aside. Um, you never know, you know, if your car breaks down and you suddenly need some cash, um, you know, or you have a medical emergency. All the shit um, that happened this year. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, you need to have an emergency fund. Then second, if you have any debt, you got to take care of that debt because that debt can be a big, you know, it can just be a big weight on you. And, um, and if you're not in debt, don't start going into debt, you know, especially I say young traders who are trying, sometimes trying to be flashy, they'll buy the fancy car or whatever, you know, um, not realizing a car is a depreciating asset. And so literally, you know, you, you, especially you buy a new car and, you know, it already loses its value within days after driving it off the lot, you know? So it's like, um, you know, so you got to get yourself out of debt, um, and, and don't go into debt if you're not in debt. Um, and then, then finally, yeah, you, you can start investing and you don't, you literally don't have to be a stock picker to be investing. Like, like literally you can just invest in index funds, which are just basically just funds that, that follow the overall market. And, and the thing is, is that, you know, like most fund managers don't beat the market anyway. So it's not like you're missing out on something if, if you just invest in index funds and literally you don't even have to think about it, right? I mean, you just invest in index funds. And again, it's boring, <laughs> but on average, it'll probably, you know, over an extended period of time, you know, it'll, it'll return you about eight to 10% a year, you know, over, I'm talking over, you know, you know, obviously there'll be fluctuations, but over, you know, say a 20 year period or whatever. Um, and the earlier you can start, the better, because you have that much more time to take advantage of compounding, compounding interest and stuff. So, um, and then maybe once you started index funds, then maybe you can start thinking about individual stocks. Um, but again, usually the best long-term investments for individual stocks are the ones that are, they aren't the, re they aren't whatever's hot recent, you know, it's, they, they tend to be more of the more boring stuff over time, you know? Um, so, um, so yeah, I'd say for most people, I mean, just those things can go a long way, but it's, but it's amazing how many people don't follow even just the basics. You know, I mean, just like with diet, right? I mean, people want to find some fancy diet that that's, you know, but, but in reality, what works is actually really boring. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I mean, keto and carnivore, they sound exciting. Um, but, you know, what actually works over the long run for most people is just, just the, the, the boring stuff. The parallels between diet and finance seems like it's endless, but then we also have the fundamental problem that a, a vast majority of our society struggles with the diet side. So 
I guess it, uh, the, the same psychological principles underpin, but if you get your approach of diet right and you apply it to your finances, you're probably more likely to be successful. It's an oversimplification to say the least, but. Yeah, well, yeah, and it's funny because it's again, it's funny that fitness professionals, they don't take their fitness habits and apply it to their finances. Like, like it, most, you know, a lot of fitness professionals, they know about that fitness is all about habits, right? It's about developing habits and, 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 and most good fitness professionals will tell, you know, someone, Hey, you're not going to lose all your weight overnight. It's going to take time, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then those same fitness professionals, when it comes to finances, you know, they're going into debt, they're looking for a get rich quick scene, they're jumping into crypto or whatever, you know, it's like, they're not taking the habits that they know work from fitness and they they're completely ignoring it when it comes to finance, but it's really the same, same types of habits that will make you successful financially over the long run. You know, I mean, um, again, it's, it's doing it slow. I mean, hell, even my day trading, you know, um, I mean, I make really good money doing it, but you know, it's something I built solely over time. It wasn't like, you know, I mean, it took me years of practice and then, and this, and in terms of risk, I mean, every trade, you know, I don't do any home run trades. I'm always just trying to bat singles and doubles and just be consistent over the long run. And of course, due to compounding, that's, you know, benefited me tremendously. Um, but because I was patient, right. I wasn't trying to make, I wasn't trying to get rich quick overnight or whatever, but again, that's boring, you know, <laughs> And I guess, you know, you've alluded to this, but there is room if most of your portfolio is diversified in, in, you know, smart investments, you can probably take a small amount and be a bit more speculative, place some almost smart bets. For example, at the very beginning of the pandemic, anybody who's really got their thumb on the pulse of this probably could have put bets on Peloton and Zoom. Yeah. And probably done really well. Now, Peloton obviously had some problems recently with the treadmill recall and a little child died getting caught up in that. That's some complicated stuff. But overall, those were pretty great bets that you could have really profited from. Oh, yeah. It's easy also to say, looking back back in retrospect, there's probably a lot of other bets that people made that didn't pay off too. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know... um... I, I made some, you know, right when the pandemic started, I, you know, I made some investments, but of course these were bigger companies too. So it's not like I was investing. It wasn't overly speculative, but you know, um, you know, Disney stock had collapsed um, because the parks had closed and everything. Um, but I knew that, you know what, Disney's not going anywhere. And, and, um, and I knew the pandemic, even if it might go along, go for a while, you know, so I, you know, I bought Disney, like, you know, when it was close to its lows, you know, and now it's like skyrocketed since then. Um, and also the airline stocks, you know, now that was more risky because, you know, you had a lot of airlines that were not in good cash positions. And so there was a big bankruptcy risk. So I chose Alaska Airlines because they actually had the best cash out of all the airlines. They were in the best position. And that turned out to be a great, you know like I said, there was still a bankruptcy. There was a risk there and I knew what the risk was. Um, but, um, but I, I carefully weighed my options among the various airlines and I was like, okay, who has the best chance of not going bankrupt here? You know, depending on how long this pandemic goes and Alaska, they were a well-run company. 
Um, now, fortunately, you know, none of the, the airlines did go bankrupt, but there were some that, you know, it, it wasn't looking good for like, you know, Delta and some of those others. So, so that Alaska bet turned out to be really good for me. Um, now, I didn't touch the cruise lines at the time because <laughs> that was really risky. But now I have finally made an investment recently in Carnival Cruise Lines because they're still, their prices are pretty depressed. Um, but they don't have as much bankruptcy risk now as they did, you know, a year ago. So, um, so now I've, you know, put some money into them. So, so you, yeah, you can make smart bets, you know, that way. Again, they're not risk-free, but it's about, and that's what people need to understand. It's about evaluating risk versus reward. And unfortunately people are really bad at assessing risk. Like, well, it's, we know psychologically people are disproportionately risk averse. Like they would, Fear a loss, they will work harder to avoid a loss than they will to try to chase a gain of the same magnitude. Um, but that's also like the stepping in the gym. And I've posted about this a bunch of times on social media recently. Well, what's the, sure you could go step into a gym and, and squat and do some other stuff. And, and there's always risk you could get hurt. You know, you can't eliminate that risk completely. You can certainly yeah. mitigate it but the reward of strength training and, and a fit active lifestyle are overwhelming. Whereas you can sit home on the couch in perpetuity, but we know the risk of that. That's a, like a guaranteed risk of long-term degeneration of your physical, you know, mental health, well-being, quality of life. Like that, that is a certainty. So you do have to accept these calculated risks that have yeah. reward profiles, certainly when it comes to fitness. Yeah. And the same thing is with finance, you know, it's just like, um, um, but, but sometimes you, it, 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 people's risk reward things get distorted in a perfect example, even not just in related to health, you see that with um, uh, coronavirus and vaccines, for example, right? Like the same people who are, are afraid to get a vaccine so for some reason aren't afraid of coronavirus spreading, even though the risk of coronavirus is way bigger than the va- like way bigger than the vaccine like the like like massively bigger but people have this distorted perspective of risk versus benefit like it's just you know and you see the same thing in the markets you, you know um people will be afraid they'll be afraid to buy a stock that's may, may, mainly been a historically good company like you know when disney was you know at the press prices or whatever People are afraid to buy Disney when it's going down, right? Um, but then they'll buy crypto when it's already, you know, <laughs> increased 5,000% or whatever. So it's like, again, there's this, it, it, people have, are really distorted in how they're assessing risk versus reward. And Disney has literal assets backing it. You know, we are going yep. to see a resurgence and return of people to their theme parks. I mean, like California is a little screwy, but I mean, Look where look where Disney World is, right? So it's in Florida. Look at the way Florida's been dealing with this stuff. It's like game on, bring it on. So that place is gonna be gonna be great. What's the future of one of the things that I really think long term will be fundamentally changed and won't won't bounce back is movie theater box office, the way that I think concerts will return. They they will be huge. In live sporting events, people will flood back to them. I really think fundamentally the movie theater experience will change. I think streaming, TV event stuff is a future. And I think a really good example is with what Disney has been doing with their Marvel series. 
I don't know if anybody has been watching WandaVision, which is a really brilliant and clever yeah. like mini series event that ties into the movies. Then they did uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. Yep. Absolutely brilliant. Just a six episode, again, mini series. Uh, I always thought Anthony Mackie Falcon was a weak character in the movies. He got his time to really yep. like shine. You see what a great actor he is and what a great character he is. Loki's coming up. And so I think Disney is going to be far more aggressive with this TV event streaming stuff that will intersperse with the movies. Those movies will always do well. But I think a lot yeah. of the other stuff we're going to see, just the box office won't be what it used to be. You're going to see a big turn towards home theater, I think. You know, I yeah. think we're going to see more and more people who will have that experience in their home. And I think that one's going to stand for a fundamental shift. I think Disney and Netflix and Amazon, they're acutely aware of this stuff. They're doubling down aggressively on it and they're going to develop more, you know, you're going to see more big TV stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's, um, it shows how companies adapt, right? Right. I, I mean, I think Blockbuster versus Netflix is a perfect example. You know, mm -hmm. Netflix, you know, for people that don't, that don't know, Netflix actually started out as a DVD. They, they would mail you DVD, um, DVDs in the mail, right? They, they were not a streaming service to start off with. They, um, and I remember being a Netflix member. I mean, this is like, you know, I don't know, 2009, 2010, I don't remember, but like you'd mail, you could get like, and there were no um, late fees or whatever. You'd get a DVD in the mail, you'd watch it, you'd mail it back, you'd get a few more in the mail. And that's how Netflix started. Well, wasn't but it Netflix? It, net, what? It's Reed Hoffman, right? Reed, Reed's the guy behind Netflix, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reed apparently was inspired because he got pissed off because he had like three weeks worth of late fees for Blockbuster and it came up with this idea. And then yeah. Blockbuster quite literally, you know, like Kodak, same thing. These are two iconic monster companies that just fail to adapt with the times. And I mean, the yep. Kodak, I know I'm hijacking your point here a little bit, but Kodak literally developed digital photography technology and then buried it because they didn't want to disrupt the money-making cow cash cow yeah. was their film yeah yeah and that's that's the thing a perfect example yeah you know blockbuster refused to adapt to streaming but netflix kept adapting right i mean they were one of the first to get into streaming and they just kept getting better and better and blockbuster you know i mean there, there, i think there's a whole documentary on on basically the rise and fall of blockbuster actually on netflix i think you know of, <laughs> of all places so Salt in the wound <laughs> um so Almost. <laughs> so yeah so it's like you know it is it is about adapting um you know um and so yeah i mean you know there's companies that adapt and and companies that don't you know so i guess we could look at that now with well amazon and i was just gonna say amazon is a perfect example too they, they were a bookstore right i mean literally when they start, they were an online bookstore for a long time. That's all it was. And now they're, I mean, completely, I mean, completely different, you know. Amazon's so. genius is in the fact that while on the surface, it's a bookstore started out as such, it really is a logistics company, right? So they have the, they destroy FedEx on worldwide distribution uh, logistics, you know, operations and resources. So then they turned around and they started selling more and more stuff on there. And then they allowed other retailers to use their platform as yep. a distributor, right? So that's one of the big things that pushed them forward. And then they've been 
branching out into things like, uh, you know, streaming and, and developing media. And there's another thing that is happening is we're seeing Netflix and Amazon and Disney acquire intellectual property and develop their own capacity to, to create media, right? That's, yeah. a, that's a different thing. So that's putting the traditional, you know, movie industry under threat and, you know, your traditional movie studios that don't have the distribution network uh, of the big streaming services, uh, you know, they don't have as much leverage over Netflix because now Netflix owns a lot of the stuff that it's, that it's putting on, on air. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, and, and also you see, I mean, like Disney was super smart. I mean, they bought Lucasfilm, right? I mean, that was, you know, they, they, what, they bought Lucasfilm for $4 billion and they've gotten a return on that investment, like, you know, many times over, you know, they bought Marvel. I mean, they, they, they acquired all these studios, you know, and, and, um, you know, they made some really smart moves with all that stuff, you know, they got Fox and all the intellectual property Fox had under umbrella. So this is obviously illustrative of, you know, forward thinking. There's a book that I really love that will get people into the mode of thinking. It's called Disrupt You by Jay Samit. I actually think it's a really good read because we also have to look inward. One of the philosophies is, you know, look at our jobs as trainers. Can you imagine what could come along and disrupt our jobs and make us obsolete and irrelevant? And one way to think then is, okay, well, why don't we try to develop or become what would make us obsolete? And if we do that, we're ahead of the curve. So I really and truly believe that the role of the one-on-one in-person personal trainer coach, certainly not in our lifetime will ever become, you know, will ever go away. We'll never be able to be replaced by an algorithm because humans like human interaction. There's something very unique about it, which is why I don't see these, uh, these personal training attempts at replicating Peloton. Like I think spin between the problems with small little spin studios and with the success of Peloton, I think spin is fucked. Absolutely fucked. It may rebound in small pockets, but I think that particular part of our fitness industry is the one that will get hurt the most, but I don't see personal training. There's things like mirror. And I I know there's another one. I think uh, Lululemon might've may own mirror. I may have the mixed up, but I do not think, see these things as replicating what spin did to the personal training experience, but we still shouldn't be arrogant about that and still yeah. keep out of the future and how AI, right. Artificial intelligence uh, or virtual reality or any other thing may ultimately change the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, technology is always advancing. And uh, um, so, yeah, you want, you want to kind of just be wary of that, you know, um so let's go now to what i've been hinting at for a while and yeah the the interest in financial services like you said you've been really doing this for quite a long time but you've certainly had a visible pivot to spending more and more of your time doing it so dulled your passion for the fitness work fitness world at all uh and what would you say to coaches who aren't sure if if a career directly in fitness you know, is the most secure long-term path for them. We know a lot of people enter the industry, they're transient and it's not their long-term. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I will say it, it, um, um, it, it has dulled my interest in fitness some, you know, and, and I think that probably comes with age too. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm 47 years old, you know, it's just, you know, um, I think even if I wasn't in finance, I probably wouldn't have the same passion for fitness that I used to, you know, it's just, you know, I've been in the fitness industry for, 
20 plus years, you know, it's just, you know, um, and I think with age, you know, for me, it's just, you, you get to a point where, you know, I'm not as concerned about trying to get as jacked as possible anymore, you know, or, <laughs> you know, um, or trying to get ripped or whatever. And for me now, fitness is just kind of a general health thing for me, you know? And, um, so some of that passion that was related to getting jacked and all that stuff, you know, that's kind of gone away. Um, um, and I think that's, what's given room for finance to come in, you know, um, I, I tell other people, you know, if you have something else that you're really interested in, I mean, don't be afraid to go after it or, or see where it might go. I mean, you got to have a backup plan though. What, you know, um, a backup plan in place. I mean, um, you know, one of the mistakes I made in my first round of trading, you know, when I got good enough to do it essentially full time was I gave up all my other, I actually kind of almost stepped out of the fitness industry for a period of time. Like I was still kind of in there a little bit, you know, I was still occasionally giving talks and whatever. Um, but you know, I had, in my first iteration of my research review, I had stopped that, you know, this is around 2014 around there. Um, uh, you know, I had quit this anal analytics job I had at Primera Blue Cross. Um, and suddenly now trading was my only source of income, but I really, uh, I had no backup in case trading didn't work out. And then like, I kind of got, I mean, I was trading really well, but you know, I, I had some lapses in risk management and then basically my whole trading collapsed on me um, because, and suddenly I had nothing, right? I, I had no backup, right? And so if you ever are thinking about pursuing something else, you, you, you want to have, make sure you got a backup. And the funny thing is now is that I'm a much better trader now than I was back 2014, 2015. I make more money. I have way better risk management you know, everything, I literally could just trade full time and do nothing else. But I still run weightology and everything. Because number one, you just never know, especially with trading, like, I could have a few days where I just completely mentally fuck up. I mean, I haven't done that for, for years now. But still, you know, um, it's good for me to still have these other businesses, you know, and plus, it takes the pressure away, I don't have to make money trading, I still have my other businesses, right? Um, now I have like, like with weightology, I've hired help now. I've got Cody Hahn helping write for the research review. I've got Brandon Roberts helping me write. Oh, guys. So I'm not making a whole lot of money with weightology now because I'm obviously paying them and stuff, but that's fine. But I still can keep the business going. Right. You know? And so I would say, you know, if you've got, you know, say you're a trainer and you're not sure you want to do this long-term and you've got something else that you want to try, um, go ahead and try it. Just make sure you've got a backup plan in place or whatever, you know, and if you can set multiple revenue streams, if you're able to manage that now, you got to look at your stress levels and things like that as well. Um, but if you can do that, then, then you're even better off. But, um, um, you know, um, now for people to say that have the question, can I make it a career? I mean, you definitely can. I mean, there's people that, I mean, you look at Chad Landers. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, even though we're running Fit Pro Financial right now, I mean, fitness has been his career and he lives in, in fucking Hollywood, right? You know, and so, you know, I, you know, he lives in California, high cost of living and everything, but obviously he's doing pretty well for himself. Um, so you can do it, um, but it takes patience and it means being smart with your finances, right? I mean, if you're a 20 some year old and you're thinking, hey, I do love fitness, I want to make this my career, then 
make sure you putting money in an emergency fund, make sure you're starting to invest in things, set yourself up for the long run, um, for success over the long run. Um, and, and you'll, you'll eventually get yourself into a position where you won't, you know, especially when something like a pandemic hits and suddenly you're losing clients or whatever. I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, they used to say, Hey, your emergency fund, you should keep enough funds in there to, to fund your living expenses for about three months. Well, now I think the pandemic showed that, I mean, you probably need six months to a year of expenses just saved up, you know, because um, that pandemic, I mean, hurt a lot. I mean, it really hurt the training industry, right? I mean, um, I mean, there were, you know, people that lost their gyms and whatever. So, um, so I guess the big thing is always have a, some type of backup in place, emergency funds, all that stuff. I mean, you got to be thinking long-term. You can't be thinking right now, you know, um, you know, um, again, if you're thinking about buying that fancy car, um, if it's going to stretch your budget, you know, then you gotta, you you gotta really think about, do you really need this? And that, that's another, in fact, Chad and I, we do something that for our members called money talks and, uh, every money talks episode, we, we talk about a major topic and we had one where we literally, spent 45 minutes to an hour talking about wants versus needs. And like, literally, like we, we spent the whole time talking about that. Um, and especially when you're younger, you know, you have to think about, yeah, you might want something, but right now, do you really need it? You know, is it going to hurt you Is it going to hurt your financial future? You know, um, you know, and I know when you're young, it can be kind of hard, you know, you want, you want the car, nice car to impress everybody or whatever. Um, but you know, in the long run, it's going to, it's probably going to hurt you more than it's going to help you. I feel like this is talking to our friend, Brad Dieter about his cars. <laughs> Brad to listen to this. I've got to bring it back on soon too. Love Brad. It's the nicest guy in the world, but yeah, always has those really fucking expensive supercars. I'll layer into this as well. Actually, if anyone had heard my last episode with my friend, Hannah Gray, I talked about this concept of career capital. I think if you are looking at a career in the fitness industry long-term, you have to build things, elements of brand, um, yep. things that go beyond the, the hour with the client. And I, these things can be really fun and passionate. This podcast is an example of a piece of career capital. I've been doing this now almost four years. Yeah. I wrote for you know several, a growing number of major publications. I've been writing for Teen Nation for over a couple of years. I've got um, I've got a piece up on the personal trainer development center. That's an open-ended relationship generation iron. There's something that I'm still waiting on it actually happening. It hasn't officially been published yet. I've been paid for it. Another big, big thing. So I think writing articles, even for your own website at first and then beyond, that's a really good way to establish a brand that's out there. Um, another thing is physically owning a facility or a business. So Chad Landers has his studio in North Hollywood, right? I mentioned Brad Dieter. Brad is, you know, a one of the owners of um, Macros Inc., which is a big, big entity. You know, Mike Dolan, Stronger You, another friend. Yep. Of and yeah, Luca Hosovar with his physical facility as well, plus all the things he does. You know, I really yeah, he's, he's just down the road from me, Luca. Yeah, I was actually yep. just talking to him this morning. Um, and th- these are all really good examples of obviously successful people in our industry, notable names, but they got there not because someone literally went and saw them on the training floor and said, well, everybody needs to know about this person. They're doing a great job as a coach. They built and shared their knowledge and platforms 
that got recognition, right? And yeah. that scaled into things that have grander revenue streams than just the hour of training in front of them. You've now written a book, right? You've got, I'm trying to remember, uh, Fitness Science Explained, you and, uh, and Mike Matthews put that together, yep. right? I own a copy of that. So that's really cool. So, you know, maybe writing a book is one of those things that someone's interested in that can spring from being an article writer. So there's yeah. all these pieces of, again, I like to call them career capital that I, I use this example last time, but I'll use it again. You find someone who shares really cool stuff on social media. Awesome. And you, you go and you follow them, you dive in, you see, oh, these posts are really good. And you look for more, what else is there? And that's it. There's just, just yeah. social media. And there's a lot of people out there who are looking for information. They're willing to make these deeper dives into your podcast, in your formal article writing. Wow, this guy's got a book. I got to go buy that. I've had numerous people recently tell me <laughs> that I need to write a book. I don't know if that's ever in the cards or not, but I think about it more and more and go, all right, I don't know where I'd find the time, but shit, I need to at least keep an open mind about this. Yeah, so yeah. these are things that I think if you're a really passionate person who does envision a future in the fitness industry, and you should at least be thinking about something that will build that brand and recognition that can grow into a very, very sustainable livelihood. One where you can reduce the number of hours if you want on the coaching floor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and especially, I think that's really important, especially for younger trainers um, to do those type of things, especially before, like, you know, when you're younger and you don't have family, you don't have those responsibilities you, you have the time, you know, because, you know, because at some point, you know, you know, those, you know, those of you who end up starting families and stuff, you know, things change a lot once you have kids and, and things like that. So it gets a lot harder to build that, that capital, right? You know, I'm not saying it can't be done, but you, it's, it, it takes a lot longer and you just can't do as much um, because you have other responsibilities, you know, so so especially if you're a younger trainer and you've got the time to, to build that capital, then, then do it because, uh, because as you get older, you know, your responsibilities might change and, and it'll actually be more challenging to do that. So. Uh, no, totally makes sense. You just made me think of like Tony Gentilcore and Eric Cressy, right? They, they are notorious for being really prolific writers and content creators, business owners, and they've got young families. So it's definitely changed their ability to continue at that pace. I've talked with Tony yep. about that very specifically. So any other things that are really, truly on your mind, interesting to you, you want to share? Um, huh. Put you on the spot. <laughs> um, man, I just, uh, it's been just kind of funny to me watching. Uh, it's funny to me, you know, having 12 years experience in the markets, just seeing every fad come it's like fitness fads you know i've seen so many investment fads come and go you know for a time it was weed stocks right 2018 or so it was marijuana weed stocks like everyone was buying those stocks or whatever you know um last year it was um electric vehicle stocks and battery stocks and things like that you know those were like the hot thing recently it's been crypto you know, it'll, it's going to be, you're going to see another fad come around at some point. Cause it happens every year. There's always something. Um, so again, my, my advice to people is, you know, be careful of the fads. You know, if, I say, if you're going to get involved in a fad, I'd say trade it, don't marry it. Um, 
you know, uh, um, but the problem is people, uh, they end up investing into it for the long term and what we call hodl it now, you know, hold on for dear life or whatever, which is actually usually a bad strategy, <laughs> um, you know, um, and actually, I was just thinking about that this morning. It's like, uh, you see a lot of first time, both traders and investors, um, they have, and I, I want to say this applies to fitness business too. They have no strategy, right? Um, you know, you need to have a strategy and a plan for whatever you're doing. Because if you don't, if you're just kind of winging it, um, you're going to lose, right? You know, that, that, that's true if you're trying to start a personal training business. Um, and that's true if you're getting into investing or even more, you know, short-term trading like I do. Um, you have to have a plan. Like, like literally every trade I take, I have an exit plan. Like every single trade I take, you know, you, you, I have an exit plan, you know. Um, and I tell people, hope is not an exit strategy, right? Um, you know, so any of you who bought Bitcoin in 50,000, 60,000, if you're hoping that it comes back and you had no strategy for what might happen if it collapsed, well, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, hope is not an exit strategy if you're hoping for something. So um, if you're starting a personal training business, you need to have a plan and not hope for things, right? Um, you need to have a plan and then a backup plan. And like, you know, um, and the same thing is true with like people trying to lose weight or whatever. You have a, you know, you got to have a plan that obviously, um, but also that has some flexibility built into it so that it's sustainable. Um, the same thing is true with your finances. You need to have a plan for your finances. You know, you want to have some flexibility, not, you know, so that again, that's sustainable over the long run. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's such a cliche to say, if you um, fail to plan, you plan to fail. It's such a cliche, but it's like so true with everything, you know, so. That's good advice. The yeah. last thing that was sitting on my mind now is being here in Canada. And I know that uh, our friend Tim Arndt is doing, he's planning anyway, his uh, Inland Empire Conference uh, in August. And yeah. I actually didn't look any beyond it. I mean, I have to assume you're a perennial speaker in that one. So I assume you're- Yeah, I'll be there. Yep. I figured you and Brad would be. I would love to attend. Uh, it's going to depend on a lot of things. It's going to depend on, you know, whether our borders open up and the conditions of being able to kind of travel back and forth and quarantining or whatnot. So I have yeah. not been able to travel down to the U.S. obviously for the last 14 months and there's been virtually nothing going on to even go to it. Um, I hope that I'll be able to go to Luca's event in September. That would be something that i um, really, really hoping that I can do one, the other or both. I also yeah. still need to get back to Newfoundland. It's been two years since I've seen my family back in Newfoundland. Oh. Because, yeah. you know, you have to do that two-week quarantine to, to even go in there, right? So that's sort of a, a major headache. But hoping that the way things are going, Canada's been behind, but catching up to where the U.S. is on a lot of stuff. And Alberta, where I am in particular, has had it really bad of recent. So hoping for the best. And if everything goes according to plan, I'll come down and see you guys. Uh, I'll certainly yeah. wonder what, what that event, the first event back will be like, if people will really rush out to it or if it will be a smaller, more intimate affair. Oh, yeah. You know, and yeah, hopefully, I mean, I know um, I've been watching some of Saul's posts and, uh, you know, I know vaccination rates have been improving in Canada and getting better. So um, so that should, you know, improve things, you know. So uh, um, I just actually finished my second Pfizer shot 
uh, two weeks ago. So I'm pretty much fully, I'm fully vaxxed now. So, so that, that's been, you know, definitely a relief for me and my wife and, and feel like we can be more flexible now, you know, um, we still have to be careful with our kids because obviously the vaccinations aren't approved for kids yet. Um, but, uh, hoping, hoping they get some emergency approval soon, um, uh, for kids. I think they're anticipating September for that. So. Yeah, I, I absolutely refuse to make any mention of, of any of these sort of things or discuss the topic because it's so outside of my scope of practice um, on any of my media. No one will ever see a trace of it, but uh, this will be the only time anybody actually hears it, but uh, I'll be getting my first shot hopefully within the next couple of weeks. I'll get the second. Awesome. For me, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, absolutely it's not an issue. It's such a contentious polarizing thing. And I, I, I truly stay away from the topic because you know, I really believe that I'm not the person who has the expertise or the platform. And I know that the people who, who follow what I'm doing, um, they're really, for the most part, not interested in that sort of stuff either. So I defer it to people who are real experts in it. Bouncing back to real experts, I really do hope people will plug into all of the resources that you have, all your financial stuff, especially if they're interested in learning more, go check out Fit Pro Financial, what you and Chad are doing. There's another name that uh, I, don't, I would presume you're probably familiar with, Sahil Bloom. Do you know Sahil? Oh, yeah, yeah. I actually follow him. Uh, I follow him on uh, Twitter and and Chad kind of knows him a little bit too. So Not surprising. Um, He's very close with Pete Dupuis. So Pete put me on to him a while back. And Sahil used to be a baseball player in yeah. SC Sports Performance System. So Pete got to know him really well. And they lift together. They're very close friends. So Sahil is really blown up his Twitter. So he's probably one of the best resources out there for really practical financial advice to learn the basics of it too. So as a name, I like to like to throw out there as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. I follow him as well. And, uh, um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Chad and I, we got our website fit, fitprofinancial.com. Um, um, we got lots of cool stuff on there in the, in the members area from, uh, we have all kinds of educational videos and, and we also talk about the recent hot topics. I mean, if you had listened to our Bitcoin episode about a month ago, you, um, if you had been thinking about getting Bitcoin and you had listened to our episode, um, we probably would have discouraged you from getting it. And we actually would have saved you from, <laughs> from another collapse, you know, um, cause we were actually warning about this stuff like about a month ago about, about the, the problems with Bitcoin. So, uh, um, so yeah, we have stuff like that. Um, we've got forums and even a chat room that I'm in that people can even live chat with us. And like, uh, you know, um, um, and then for people that are more interested in the day trading side. Now, usually I tell people, I try to discourage people from it because people want to think that it's easy money. And, and I, I've, I've actually, I think I've actually said this on your guys's podcast one time I said, day trading is the uh, hardest, easiest way to make money. Like, like the easy part is pressing the buttons, but most people, vast majority of people that try it end up losing money and quitting after three months, you know, they, they realize how hard it is, you know, and I mean, it took me years to get good at it. So, um, so usually I discourage people from doing it, but if someone is absolutely determined, I do have my stockwonk.com website. Um, I have some articles and stuff on there and you can, I have a Twitter account and stuff that just for stocks, you know? Um, um, and then obviously for, for fit pros interested in fitness stuff, there's my weightology.net site and I've got my research review and stuff on there too. And so. I'm going to go follow stockwonk on Twitter. Got it. Yeah. Right now. I just followed it. So there we awesome. Go. <laughs> Pro financial. Yeah, I got you guys. Good. 
Anyway, brother, it's been really great uh, catching up. Thanks for coming on. I will. Yeah. Uh, I'll let you know when I'm going to drop this off air. It'll be soon. And for yeah. everyone, guys, thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate it. James has been long one of my favorite people to, you know, to, to follow and engage with um, within the fitness industry. So one of the real good guys. So please go check out his social media and stay tuned um, next week. If all goes according to plan, I'll be coming in with Martin Rooney returning. Martin's awesome. a big name in our world. So thanks again, everyone. And I appreciate having you here.